Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Podcast Series. I'm Shivani Sate and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by a big team from Rego Sotheby's International Realty. So I'd like to welcome my guests. I've got Buddy Rego, the president. Welcome, Buddy. Thank you. I have Penny McIntyre, the partner. Welcome, Penny. Thank you. And we have Ben Rego today, the agency manager. So welcome, Ben. Thank you very much. You're our newbie on the block. I know, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, firstly, I'd like to congratulate you all. You've just literally celebrated your 75th year in business. Mm-hmm. Huge congratulations to you all. Um, many, um, we, we had a fantastic chat last year with Buddy and Penny here in the studio, uh, talking about real estate, getting an update. So I'm delighted that we're back literally a year to the date, January again, mm-hmm. uh, and looking forward to hearing everything about the real estate industry and where we stand today. So perhaps if I begin, I'm going to start with you actually, Ben, since mm-hmm. you're our newbie. If you could tell us a bit about what you do at Rego Sotheby's and a little bit about your journey. Sure, yeah. So I started real estate um, after I was born. Uh, no, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, really, it's something I always had an immense passion for uh, ever since you know I was a, a summer intern for many years. Uh, I then, after university in 2011, moved to Boston and I worked for Gibson Sotheby's International Realty, which is a very large affiliate out there. I was there for about four and a half years. Uh, I was doing the marketing, so I was in the marketing department of five people, um, and I was also assisting three of the top agents there, um, including still their their top agent there to this day, Beth Dickerson. Um, (laughs) And uh, it was phenomenal, you know, just seeing how agents would treat it really like a business and they were all go-getters it was you know similar to what you see on tv um and it was just you know great learning experience so i came back here in 2015 i did marketing for the company for i think about a year and a half and uh here i am today as a as a licensed agent so uh it was about two years ago i became our agency manager so on a day-to-day, um, not only you know do I support my own uh, clients, but I support our entire team. I do bi-weekly meetings with every single agent, um, onboarding, training, uh, any issues that someone might have with any ongoing uh, negotiations and their listings. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's about so it. A 24-hour a day job then. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's Eight days a week. And the, yeah. and the third generation in Tarigo Sotheby's. Exactly, yes. Fantastic. So just for the listeners, any new listeners, I would please ask both Buddy and Penny to introduce themselves and just tell me a little bit about what you do. So I'll start with you, Buddy. Yep. Uh, well, yes, you said it. I'm <coughs> president of the company. I've been so for <coughs> 40 years since I was spent five and a half years in Hong Kong working after university and um, came back here to uh, be self-employed, um, retiring my father at that time. So Ben's got something to expire to. Still waiting, still <laughs> waiting. I, I was going to yeah. say, he's not retiring you, is he? You're not uh, announcing yeah, anything. No, I, I, I said he has to buy it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so I'm, you know, during the course of that time, I've seen obviously a lot of, a lot of changes in the business, but uh, and I think I've had every job in the, biz- in the company with the exception of the accounting department. So I've worked in... Rentals. I've worked in business uh, uh, 
development and sales, some of which I do a little bit still today. Um, but generally speaking, I like to think of myself now as the head of R&D, so okay. research and development. Thank you. And coming to you now, Penny. I get the scraps. <laughs> so I do no, I was else. actually saving the best for last. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, yes, I'm Penny McIntyre. I've been with the company 16 years now and became a partner halfway through that. I originally started out as a commercial agent and then did commercial management. So my wheelhouse is commercial, and it is largely because I've come from the background in the U.S., um, out of New York in particular for Bloomberg, and then I did real estate globally for their portfolio and worked on large office centers, headquarters, data centers, hangar space, et cetera. And here I work more on new development. So a big focus there, obviously restructuring of assets. I think we'll probably touch on that later on. We are going to touch on all of that. Yeah, and also working on hotel tourism. Uh, whether that is new development or repositioning an asset. Okay, thank you. Yes, very much going to be delving into everybody's key areas, but I'm going to come back to you again, buddy. So you've reached a, you've reached a milestone of 75 years, obviously mm. not you, but the company. Well, I have the great years to prove it. Well, yes, <laughs> I'm not going to ask those questions today. But what does it actually mean for you to have reached uh, this milestone? Well, I think it means it means certainly a lot to me, and I think it would mean a lot to anybody who's been in business for 75 years. I mean, that's unusual in many cases, and I think it's also more unusual when you've actually got three generations yes. in business. So uh, the success rate of that is usually quite limited, so I'm very proud of that. Um, I think that now that we're recognized as the oldest real estate company still in business in Bermuda, um, gives us a, a certain gravitas that, and uh, an appeal that you know many others don't have. Okay, no, thank you. And you said earlier your prime focus nowadays is research and development. Mm-hmm. So you're the right person to ask. What next for Rigo Sotheby's? So this business is ch- tra- is changing so quickly. Um, you know, you obviously with the internet and and the tools and. Uh, trials and tribulations that we are thrown upon us as agents all the time, we're required to, to keep up to date with new trends, new technologies. And I think for us, is it's, it's to be relevant. And okay. we've got to keep everything, we've got to keep the right tools in-house so that our agents and our associates um, um, are able to you know, maintain the level of service that, that they expect. Okay, no, keeping up with the market is definitely key here. So now I'm going to delve into the residential markets. I'm staring right at you here, Ben, as our expert, our in-house expert today on the the residential market. We've been talking about a housing crisis for, I feel, forever. It's like a non-stop conversation. It's a conversation starter in any in any bar that you can hear at the moment. What is the outlook for 2024? Let's, let me just ask you that directly. I, yeah, I know. I, um, I guess a housing crisis, you wouldn't probably say the sellers are feeling that way, but it's really quite shocking, I guess. You know, you see a lot of different markets in the States and things like that, mm-hmm. where after COVID, there was quite a boom and now things are kind of turning a little bit. Yes. Um, the early parts of this year and, you know, the end of last year, we're definitely not seeing that. Um, I have one listing in particular. I'm showing it this week. It's for one and a half million near town within... 46 seconds of Harry's is and uh, <laughs> is actually c- part of the marketing pitch. 
I'm launching that tomorrow, and I have 13 tours this week. That's not even that hasn't even been marketed. Um, a condo last week had multiple offers over asking price within a week. Um, so at Queens Cove. So just things like that are pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, I wish I had a crystal ball, but the low inventory is, is definitely a real thing. You know, there's 212 sales listings currently across the market. Um, that number usually would have been double if we were looking a decade ago. And I think still the location, location, location factor is ever so true. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people who are still jumping out in the market. Um, and, you know, if a place has been online for too long, it's probably fix the house or you fix the price or you fix the marketing strategy right. and agent representation behind it. But the good listings that are well-priced and well-represented are definitely getting multiple offers still within the first couple of weeks. Okay. And w- what is the demographic of your clientele? Everything. Um, my father's friends. <laughs> no, but, you know, just really I think people like doing business with people most like themselves. So, you know, um, I try to adapt myself to no matter where someone is in their real estate journey, Um, a first time buyer uh, or someone looking to downsize and uh, or buy a property for their aging parent, whatever it might be, um, you know, I can meet them there. And I'm very flexible, as is our team in being able to adapt and understand the needs of the people. But there are people at at every, um, you know, moment in their housing journey that are searching. Um, I've had two transactions recently where even friends bought together because it has been challenging for a lot of first-time buyers to buy. So that's a pretty, you know, I hope the friendship lasts. Um, (laughs) So, but, you know, there's, people are getting creative, I think, especially with, um, you know, how challenging it has been to lend sometimes. We like to say we're luxury at every price point. Okay, I like that. That's a good good phrase. We'll keep that one. Um, So, you know, last year, Ben, obviously you weren't here in the studio, but I'm sure you heard the podcast. We did have a conversation around pricing. And you touched upon that a moment ago. What what can you tell me about the current price points? So it's a funny thing in Bermuda. If you look year over year, you'll basically see that prices, the average price of properties sold, really and truly does kind of stay the same. It's okay. typically around 1.3, 1.4. However, that's... Sorry to cut in. Is that a house? Is that how many beds? For houses. Okay. For houses that have traded island-wide. But the only thing is with that is... The house that you buy for 1.4 today is not as nice as the house that you would have bought for 1.4 five years ago, 15 years ago. So with that being said, yes, the average individual property, the prices are going up. You know, I speak to appraisers every single day uh, who are like, you know, what did that sell for? And, you know, everyone's scratching their head on trying to find out how to price properties. And it's for land, it's for residential homes, for condos. Um, when, When I'm going to a property... If I ask the person, what did you buy it for? And they say, you know, five years ago we bought it for X. I am 99% confident that not just with good marketing, but also with the way that the market is uh, in right now, you know, they will get more today than they did okay. then. So. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and you touch upon land. I did want to talk to you about land, actually. So, you know, we're looking, there seems to be a f- decent amount of land for sale. I say mm-hmm. that lightly. And more land coming up is trusts um, begin to realize that perhaps their future generations aren't coming back to the island for mm-hmm. so many different reasons. Do you feel that the, what do you, th- firstly, what, what do you feel about the market for land? Is it is it growing? Because you, obviously you can buy a ready-made house, sorry, a ready-to-go house, mm-hmm. but as we all know, Bermuda and its climate and everything, you tend to need to renovate pretty quickly. Yeah. So I would say a lot of people in today's buyers and future generations of buyers, unfortunately, they're not the biggest fan of 
exposed cedar beams and, you know, Bermuda stone, older okay. homes. So, um, you know, there's an old saying, I think it's buy land because they're not making any more of it unless down by the airport perhaps. But, uh, but really looking to land, I mean, last year we did um, about four times the amount of land sales than what we normally do. Okay. But of course, that's largely attributed to Riddles Bay. We were very busy in some of the sales there. There's 19 lots. And within the last, I guess, four years or so, uh, 18 of those have sold. So there's one lot of land left there. Um, Pampas, that's been a new destination where a lot of those have sold very, very quickly. Um, Whitecrest Hill, there's seven lots currently left for sale okay. there. So these really high-end communities, they have been an absolute, you know, f- uh, uh, incredible amount of, in, of uh, excitement from buyers, often getting multiple offers. Uh, but I think seeing how land has been going, there's been double-digit land sales year after year over the last few years. Usually that's sort of a single-digit number. So I think after these neighborhoods, it probably will slow down a bit. Okay. So, and, and as you said, land certainly is a finite resource in Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Are you engaging in a lot of bidding wars? How's it, how's yeah, it been? Still? Absolutely. And a lot of BOTCs, I would say, if you look at Riddles Bay, for example, out of those 18, I'd be guessing and knowing who a lot of those buyers are, probably 15 of those were BOTCs. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And the question I always have is, so you buy a piece of land and it's for price X, let's say a million, whatever we want to call it. What about the construction costs? What's happening in that area? Because it's not just about buying the land, it's then trying to understand what the rest of it is really going to cost. Yeah. Definitely go out to bid to as many contractors as you know and trust. Okay. Um, My wife and I, we renovated our house two years ago. We went out to five contractors. The lowest bid was roughly half of what the highest bid was. So that's a really interesting thing, you know, for the exact same build, you know, on the plans that they saw. Um, But, you know, previously you'd be able to start a pretty decent um, construction level for sort of 300 and 350 a square foot. That number certainly is double for even entry level, it seems like. Um, But again, it's really tough to say. How long is a piece of string? You know, I think as you go in the most high end neighborhoods, that number is sort of (laughs) a thousand plus sometimes. So it just really depends on what someone's looking to do, the grade of the lot and everything and how complicated the build will be. And I'm assuming that construction workers are exceptionally busy. So how easy is it to find one? That would be my other question for you. Yeah, it is. You have to, you know, nail them down pretty quickly. Um, I do see, and I've been speaking to a lot of them, you know, with other clients who are looking to build. And there are some big, uh, big projects that are finishing up uh, in Riddles Bay, for example, a couple recently finished and someone's out there looking for a new work now. Um, But yeah, I mean, they, the crews are only so big. A lot of their crews uh, travel over the holidays, and so they're back and, you know, really actively looking for uh, for new projects. But again, with Whitecrest Hill, you know, a lot of people are trying to right. tee everyone up and have them on their timeline to, to start this okay. year. Okay. And what's happening on the rental market? We're talking a lot about buying and selling houses, but as we know, we still mm. have a huge population that's always looking for rentals and can't seem to find the right thing because there's no inventory. Exactly. So from today's morning research, there are 51 rentals on the market. And that number typically would have been over 200 at any one time. So that is incredible. So, you know, you could say prices are up by, you know, at least quadruple sometimes, you know, for the the lower price ones. Um, But, you know, it's shocking because a lot of people are saying there's less people in Bermuda. Um, I think Airbnb has a massive thing to do with it. Uh, also during COVID, maybe a lot of family were coming back and living in other separate apartments right. that previously would be in the rental market out to the public. 
Um, a lot of people have unfortunately had some bad experiences renting out side apartments, lower apartments or cottages. Um, so those are just simply sitting empty right now. Uh, but the rental prices definitely are up. And, uh, you know, it's quite depressing at times when we put something online and we're getting multiple offers and seeing the same people at every property that uh, unfortunately haven't been able to secure housing yet. Right. No, no, certainly. So in terms of trends that might emerge in the residential real estate market, Ben, what do you think is going to, if you had if you had that crystal ball in front of you, what do you think yeah, could, I mean, could, could be the... I, I don't ahead? see things... Yes, perhaps due to low inventory, there might be less transactions that happened this year compared okay. to last year and maybe from the year before. Um, but the confidence in the buyer and renter activity is still there. Um, you know, I think a lot of people definitely want newer construction. They want, you know, a lot of younger families. They're open to doing renovations. I think a lot of people watch HGTV and they want that open floor <laughs> plan. And, you, okay. know, they, you know, they have Pinterest boards of their dream home. Um, but... You know, I, I definitely see the market in a good place for landlords and sellers and to, you know, really partner yourself with a great agent and company um, to market your property to the highest level. You'll be very surprised is, is generally the feedback that I get from people once we enter the market. Just the numbers that can be achieved and sometimes how quickly that can happen. Okay. And, and are you seeing much of a buy-to-rent market? I'm always curious about that. Buy-to-rent. Buy-to-rent. Yeah, ab absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge, huge thing in terms of even trying to encourage more rental inventory to speak to the investor buyers. Because right. for sure, you know, if they buy something in a good location, I have a laundry list of people who would look to rent it. So um, that is a big, big market. Now, the only thing is, of course, the properties that they're looking to buy to rent those properties are probably going to have to pay a little bit of a premium to buy them as well, especially okay. if it's in a good location. But, you know, certain deals can be had, you know, different motivations of different sellers. And um, there's people actively looking out there for that, too. It's in particular, the condo market is very popular with that. Okay. Yeah. For that type of buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very good. And there was an initiative a couple of years ago, um, one way of getting PRC, which is Permanent Residency Certificate here in Bermuda, mm -hmm. was to spend $2.5 million on a house. And then I think, correct me the if I'm wrong, EIRC. after that. You, yes. Is that still, do you see many people investing in that way to obtain the residency certificate? I've, you know, yes. And our company definitely has had experience in that. Um, maybe not to the same extent that you would think, but absolutely that is okay. something that a lot of people are curious about. And I've been speaking with them about. It's quite fascinating as well. Just the... Um, the slight uncertainty about what condominiums could be available to non-Bermudians um, because okay. currently, as things <coughs> sort of have, have been in the last few years, uh, they would only be able to buy in hotel resort developments. So, you know, the likes of St. Regis, Azora, right. the Lauren, et cetera. Um, but under that EIRC, you know, policy, if there's a condo that's maybe in a different location that's really, really spectacular at two and a half million or above, or again, that also uh, takes into account closing costs, Sometimes if it's fully furnished, the, okay. the cost for that, um, that, you know, there could be ways of where they could purchase those condos as well. Okay. Remember also, <clears throat> those houses have to be available to non-Bermudians in the first instance. Right. So yes. you're looking at average prices That's that are right. well north of three, four million dollars. For houses, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. houses. Okay. Okay, no, thank you. Well, Ben, I think I've exhausted you, so I better rest <laughs> you. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. So moving over to the commercial real estate, which is really your key area of focus, Penny, can you tell me about the new trends in the market for commercial real estate, please? Sure. We still suffer from low inventory, which is the same okay. woes that we have on residential side. Um, in terms of Class A space, that is the hardest space to play in. 
Okay. In terms of getting listings, in terms of also seeing deals done. Um, I think last year in particular, you would see a lot more people fighting for space and you had to act quickly in the commercial sector. I think a lot of international clients were not used to that. They usually okay. think they can come here and if they plan three, maybe four months ahead, that's plenty of time. Here, you really come in and all of a sudden you're in the market and you see a snapshot of the day, the space will probably be gone by the week's end. Oh, amazing. And, that, and you still think that will continue. So you would, in your capacity, you would have your ear to the ground in terms of new companies, new international companies coming to Bermuda and looking for space. Do you feel there'll be, a, again, a big influx of companies this We've year? We've got pent-up demand. Okay. So uh, we definitely need the inventory. And largely what you're seeing happens to be a result of a couple of things. Uh, you've got companies that have grown themselves and expanded into what was excess space in buildings. And then you've got buildings that are coming offline because of construction were recently purchased, going through renovations. Okay. And as a result, it's taken up what originally was there, and you've got people who were displaced. So those persons and companies have had to move, and they have been taking up the excess. So any of the newcomers are in the market and having to accelerate in their process of making decisions. And they've been pushed into B-class space as well. Okay. So you are seeing some of that shifting and having to adjust expectations. Um, and then also the awakening of construction costs, largely because these are the same contractors that are doing residential. Right. And they spill over into commercial as well. And just for the listeners, I'll ask you again to explain what A-class and B-class is, please. Sure. A-class space. So uh, A-class space is represented by high-end office, so generally a lot of natural light, um, high floor-to-ceiling, modern fit-out in a building that generally has a concierge, mainly all office space, maybe some <laughs> amenities in the building to support that, such as a cafe, uh, retail restaurant in there, but it's generally high-end space. And parking where possible, which is a commodity here in town. And B-class space needs some work. It's also probably got limitations on view corridors, and it's not generally in a trophy location. Okay, no, thank you. F-class, you don't rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. We needed that. That's uh, an opportunity for a renovation. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we start off talking about international and um, exempt companies, I guess is what we're touching upon. But if we split it a little bit, are you seeing changes, perhaps firstly in the domestic type of investor in, the com in commercial real estate? Absolutely. Uh, one thing we do notice in particular, which is very interesting and it's important to follow, are younger investors. Okay. So you're getting people who are entering into the commercial market. So they're either buying a development uh, that has multiple units in it. So anything over four units is a commercial property. So they're stepping into this arena and deciding they want to start their real estate portfolio instead of just singularly in real estate um, as far as residential goes. Uh, then we're also seeing people couple together or have a consortium. And that's profound because you see people who are turning to other ways uh, to get financing. So they might not necessarily get the financing they need 100%, um, definitely not 100%, but 80%, 60% from a bank or a lending institution. And they're coming at it with family money, uh, pooling savings together, and they're looking at the long-term goal of holding an asset and how to position it going forward. Some of them are also becoming owner-occupiers in those scenarios where they'll move into a unit and then rent out the rest. Um, for office, offices, 
amazing to watch in town now. If, okay. um, if you're driving along Front Street, you will notice no parking, even more so than usual. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, thanks to uh, what you see with Brookfield, um, their inward investment in Bermuda, doing 91 Front Street, and that's going to be a knockdown rebuild uh, for all Class A office space, and then the ground floor will be some retail. So that is a very prominent new construction on an end of town that needs regentrification. Okay. So you see a spattering of Class A spaces there and mostly Class B. But that is going to help elevate past the flagpole. Okay. No, great. And do you see many people buying commercial? We talk a lot about needing more um, residential space in the city centre. Mm. So do you see any people buying a com- what would be traditionally a commercial space and transforming it into a residential space? Absolutely. You see people doing that now. Um, there's uh, the old Christen building. Yes. Uh, they're going to be doing construction and retrofitting space so that they can have residential rental. Um, on that ground floor itself or throughout? It needs to be the floors above. So okay. ground floor on Front Street. It always be Right. Planning retail. code requires that it's retail or restaurant. Okay. <clears throat> so anything above that can be. And so you're seeing that happen. There's some buildings that were already earmarked for residential, but they haven't moved forward. Um, so you'll see, you know, down... Burnaby, in fact. Yes. So you'll see some derelict properties there across from Devil's Isle. So what you're also finding, though, is that um, office is making such a great return, and it's less expensive to do in terms of construction okay. than residential. So some of the big players now that are looking in town, we've got a new listing that I can't announce yet, okay. but uh, <laughs> we hope to launch in about a month's time, if not sooner, and that's a big office building. And that will be for sale. Okay. So that's a Class A building too. So it'll get a lot of attention. It has parking, and we expect there'll be interest in it. Um, we've got other properties that we're also offering that are off-market transactions for sale, and these are for people who are developers, especially for Bermudians and um, possibly BOTC looking at investments in town. And then we have international for sure who are interested in those. Okay. And with the desperation for residential space, perhaps this is a question for you, coming back to you, Ben, now that you've had a sip of that coffee. Um, Thank you to Brew. You know, what are the timelines? It's, it's, it's fantastic to hear that all of this is happening, but for those people that are desperate, waiting, seeking, thinking, they may need to move from where they are within a year. The economic development strategy, as we know, is looking for another 8,000, circa 8,000 um, people on the ground here in Bermuda, what is the timeline for, you know, the city centre to build us something great so we can have some more residential space? It's interesting. I mean, even speaking to the Christen building, you know, I know the the people who own that now, wonderful guys, and, um, you know, they're not entirely sure on when they're going to start on that. Okay. Um, but the, the thing is, a lot of the new residential that's looking to be created in those kind of key areas in town, mm-hmm. that's going to be really kind of high end. That's going to be the sort of C-suite level tenant who are going to go into those places so the the average everyday bermudian work permit holder who are desperately looking for places i wouldn't say that that's necessarily for them however with everything that um you know is being encouraged in sort of northeast hamilton and all of that that's pretty interesting one of the properties that penny was discussing i think she was alluding to was a also a a friend purchasing uh, opportunity for gosh how many units were there 14 units um, and one of my good mates. And so they bought that 
and they're going to fix up those small one, two bedroom and studio units and really kind of uplift that. And that's sort of in, um, in that area, you know, Northeast Hamilton. So, you know, we, part of our job, I think is to be on shows like this and day to day walking into a coffee shop and just have everyone be informed that we need more inventory and it's not uh, a salesy talk. And so if there's anyone who wants to get in there as an investor or if they have vacant properties to really and truly, um, you know, call your favorite real estate agent and call your contractor, whatever you might need to do to get it into a rentable state because there's people who are really keen. That actually wouldn't be a bad idea to talk to your your favorite government um, minister or to advocate for plans where properties can be redeveloped, you know, with much like hotels where they get concessions on building materials and that sort of thing yeah. in order to rebuild properties that, like this 14-unit uh, place, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a building for sale currently at 26 Burnaby, so right next door to, uh, as a landmark, Barracuda Grill, right next okay. door to that. And they have plans. Obviously, someone could buy it as a commercial building is what it currently is configured as. But there's residential plans there um, to actually convert that building. So, um, you know, it's, it is, you know, to, to Buddy's point, it's interesting that a lot of, um, you know, government, they're being quite uh, open and flexible in terms of encouraging more uh, 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 residential inventory wherever we possibly can. Yeah, I think what you're also seeing, though, is a result of the fact that these types of projects take a very long time to come online. Yes. Between the acquisition, the design, and then the actual uh, construction and build cycle, yeah, rezoning, et cetera, you know, you are changing the purpose of a property if it was commercial in Therese. Um, we've got other properties around town that are going through that, but they're not going into the residential sector. They're going into hotel tourism. So Victoria Hall, which was a sale that Buddy just concluded, um, that's going to be a hotel property. Okay. And there will be some residential component, but that is designed to support the hotel itself. So some of the things that you're looking at would require a long lead time. A faster approach, if you're talking about getting a project off and running, maybe reconverting some of these properties where BLDC has large vacant swaths of land with buildings on them, Okay. You now out down by the airport. Um, I wouldn't say the airport. The old <laughs> airport has a lot of work to be done, <laughs> having been through that. Um, but I would say some of those buildings out there, you know, that's um, very convenient to certainly the airport. You've got an annex for a hospital facility there. So uh, it just... You know, you really, really need to do something in the near term in order to address getting housing for those who are not in the ultra high end luxury price point. Right. Uh, Because otherwise you'll still have this problem for quite some time and it's affecting companies who are looking to bring people here. We've got all this new office space construction going on. Obviously, Belvedere, um, you're going to watch that project at some point in time kick off a couple other buildings in addition to Brookfield. So, This is the first time, very exciting time, to watch commercial Class A office come back into the pipeline. We haven't seen anything new for about 10 years. Okay. That being Waterloo House and Point House. Right. Right. No, so a a couple of things there that are are my key takeaways. Firstly, the redevelopment projects that are on offer, as you said, Mm -hmm. need to be taken up. And also the fact that the city centre is very much going to be looking like an incredibly amazing place within, would it be fair to say, sort of two to five years? Mm -hmm. 
be quite a buzzy place, lots more residential, a lot more happening, mm -hmm. which is, again, very optimistic and amazing and what Bermuda really needs. If only we can move the containers next. Yes. <laughs> Redevelop all of that. Um, you mentioned, just to finish off with you here, Penny, you mentioned earlier that you also look at hotel tourism yes. uh, as well, a key area. So I, I'm going to ask you about the Southampton Fairmont Princess, is there any update you can provide us on that other than they couldn't get rid of their furniture last week because it <laughs> went quite crazy? Yeah. Very unfortunate. Great to have demand. Unfortunate um, that it had to go down that way. Uh, nonetheless, that project, um, you know, I engage directly with uh, GenCom on this, so I get to hear it from them. And they are pushing as much as they can to get that done. Okay. If I use the phrase that was told to me most recently, it is literally their battle cry. Okay. They want to get that project progressing. It's taken too long. Um, delays for them were construction costs rose. And that would be a challenge for anyone in this market when you look at about 40% increase. Um, they're, you know, that's not insignificant. Um, we also have further to that, uh, looking at Elbow Beach. You know, it's yes. gone into receivership. And our company is uh, one of the companies that's been invited um, to pitch. So we are, you know, looking at that asset, what will happen there. We're looking at aerial sands. Um, you know, we continue to look at other properties as well. Uh, it's great to see the forward momentum. And, you know, we're looking at other assets that are also continuing with their upgrades, such as Cambridge beaches. Right. Um, so these are all rising with the tide. And we hope to see more newer product coming through yes because i certainly from an international business perspective we are suffering with the conferences which notoriously which were actually always held at the southampton fairmont princess mm -hmm. because of the capacity and the size mm -hmm. so it is a struggle every conference that is held here in bermuda people are scrambling for hotel spaces you mm -hmm. have people staying out in the saint regis <coughs> traveling into a conference being held at the hamilton princess so it would be great if there was further development, or faster, more rapid development. Absolutely, like TEDx. You know, again, not only are you drawing the local population, you're drawing international. Yes. And you're getting talent that's not ordinarily based here to speak to the community. So those are critical. They keep Bermuda on a global platform. Okay. Okay, so this is really an open question for anybody. We did talk about statistics, data, what's available here in Bermuda. We talked about different realtors last year, Buddy and Penny, or remember everyone housing their own sort of in-house database. Do you feel we're moving towards a more uniform approach or is that still everybody keeping their in-house data? <laughs> You're on the government committee, but I will tell you this, that uh, <coughs> everyone is well aware that the LTRO reports are a year and a half um, um, in arrears. So... Uh, getting specific data on transactions is virtually impossible at this okay. point. So we're fortunate enough, uh, you know, having a reasonable amount of market share, where we know this is what we know what we are able to do and what we've done, and we can give you statistics based on our experience, average price points, and that sort of thing. So, okay. if you know, touch wood, you know, if the government um, LTRO department gets their um, uh, information together within the next six months or so, um, we'll be in a much better position to give you those numbers. Okay. And then I know that you're all quite um, head to the Chamber of Co Commerce quite often regarding real estate. Are there any updates coming from the Chamber of Commerce? Sure. Within the real estate industry? I hope so. I mean, just um, 
so yeah, I'm, as Buddy alluded to, so I'm on the government subcommittee there. And okay. um, just within the last week, we've, so I guess I, we shouldn't jump too much about what it's about, but things that would drastically improve, hopefully, uh, rental inventory okay. and um, transactional sort of efficiency for Bermudians in selling certain types of properties. So uh, we submitted two letters to government last week, uh, waiting to hear back. But absolutely, you know, we were keeping our finger on the pulse for okay. different solutions to help with the housing crisis, for sure. Yeah, and I think we're, we're now into February or March before the Premier and Minister of Finance in his acting capacity. Um, we'll be able to respond to a long list of items that were submitted. So I still work as the past chair okay. of the state division, and we were hoping to have answers already as of uh, January 22nd, but unfortunately that meeting got postponed. So we are now looking at the next meeting. So I think it takes us into March effectively. Okay. Well, I have another question. I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer it, but are there any issues that the government could help the real estate industry with? silence what? in this room everyone's <laughs> looking at everyone I, i'm not yeah. sure you know if you're unable to answer that's totally fine but i just wanted to put it out there if there was you know well for us it's going to be critical on data you know okay. we need to have transparency of the industry in every category island-wide okay every single firm needs that and government needs it as well so the highest priority will be land title registry office getting all that updated as soon as possible. Okay. So putting resources there will mean government can also then look at what they need to do. Where's the, where are the fires <laughs> in our industry? And we all can tell that housing for rental inventory in particular is problematic. Um, so, you know, I think that more consultation directly with our industry is paramount. Okay, thank you. So Buddy, a question for you as a veteran in the industry hope that's not offensive. <laughs> Thank you. you know, <laughs> so property is obviously a, a cyclical affair. You mm. can open up an economics textbook. You can see what cycles <coughs> property mm -hmm. should follow. I think we're all pretty clued up to know that Bermuda doesn't follow any of those cycles. It's a very unique place. But is it what, what key changes have you really seen across the Bermuda real estate market over the last even well, 20 I'll give you, years? <coughs> I'll give you a little bit of water cooler talk. <clears throat> I thank you very much, Royal Gazette. Uh, I pulled an ad that we had in 1949. Okay, wow. It was a two-apartment house in Paget, showing 8% return <clears throat> for £3,600, which translates in today's dollars at $198,000. That's a sales price, not sales rental price. price. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> sales price. Sales price. Okay. So it just goes to show you that one, that same house is worth in today's dollars 198,000 uh, would probably sell for three times that easily yes so <clears throat> it um pardon my um throat um so it, it goes to show you that the long term effect of benefit of holding real estate is always there um if you want me to talk about cycles i mean we're just like the rest of the world you know whatever happens in the US we catch a cold 3 days 3 years later um, so we're so reliant on that economy. Um, but I think there have been a lot of changes in the industry in okay. Bermuda, which I think is probably more important because everyone knows um, what goes on in markets. Um, and that is the Bermuda market has, <clears throat> thank you very much to the internet, <clears throat> has informed the public so much more than they were in 1949 and, and a few years thereafter. 
so that the <clears throat> the buyer being so well informed requires of the agent of 2024 to be so much more informed, to be so much more knowledgeable and so much more accountable uh, than they were when people used to use Rolodexes yes. to, to <laughs> keep listings and what have you. So I think that in itself is one of the most important features. And the fact that the agent is now, um, for lack of a better word, considered more of a professional advisor. Um, you know, the internet is not, not unlike WebMD. Um, you know, you still need a doctor and you should still call a realtor when you need something. But it's, it's very important that uh, the people grasp the, uh, the tools that are necessary to continue on in this business as Ben and younger agents today know to okay. be necessary. Just to piggyback on that, yeah, I think, you know, today there's more real estate agents today than there were in the history of Bermuda. Okay. You know, people continue to get their license, um, and it's a very, I think from the outside looking in, it looks super fun. Maybe what people see on uh, on TV and everything, it seems like a wonderful lifestyle and stuff like that. Yet, um, of course, it is eight days a week job, as I right. say. Um, my license plate is 00237, which my wife jokes and says it means I take one hour off a week, um, <laughs> 237. So, you know, it's something that, you know, People want you on the weekends. They want you after hours when they're sitting around the dinner table. And so it's a really, you have to be like a hamster chasing the cheese. And, you know, you eat what you kill and you close one transaction, then it's on to the next one. So you're sort of defined by your your successes. You know, what was your last sale? Um, and I think, you know, in today's world, compared to maybe many, 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 many years ago, it's not about sort of just who you know um, as an agent, but what you know and what you can provide. I think agents now have to treat it like a business. People demand efficiency and communication. Uh, people have to know, agents do, have to, how to market themselves and you know embrace their own personal brand within a brand. Um, and that's of critical importance, I think, now going forward, which also makes it even more difficult, I think, for agents of any level of um, experience to kind of stand out and differentiate themselves. Okay, no, thank you. So <clears throat> one thing that Buddy touched on was technology earlier. AI is very important to our yes. industry. I think, um, you know, as we say, agents have to be adept in many arenas, and so does the brokerage. We have been using AI, various ones of us, and we use chat GPT. People test drive it to write out proper descriptions. Okay. It doesn't replace the human element and the fact that you need someone to fact check things. You know, are these are these correct? Is this said appropriately for the jurisdiction? And over time, it'll get smarter and smarter, and it'll be the responsibility of the agents and the brokerage to stay on top of those types of things and ways we can use technology to advance. Okay. I must say that's the greatest threat to this being or not being a fourth generation <laughs> business right. with for my son or daughter <laughs> is potentially AI. But uh, as Penny says, you know, it's nothing replaces that human contact and uh, and, and being the middle man or woman in, in a transaction. No, I, I would echo, it, echo that actually. The human touch is really what you want when you're taking such a big decision as buying or even renting mm -hmm. and making a house your home. You do want to interact with somebody. You don't want to read about it and say, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, no, very key. So my final question to each of you. <laughs> feels like a mastermind quiz. <laughs> 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 what, what do you expect from the real estate market in Bermuda during 2024 and perhaps beyond? 
I'll, <clears throat> I'll start so you can refute anything I say. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I, I don't expect. I expect it to be fairly flat. I don't see uh, an influx of that inventory that we all are hoping for. Um, what I do hope for and reasonably expect that if we have new uh, hotel tourism developments and there is potential for that, which will give us the beds you talked about, yes, the hotel beds will give us the opportunity even for people living here, to acquire property, to live in it. It'll give us the opportunity to sell properties to visitors who, when they're not here, can make them available as hotel rooms. Uh, I see that as being um, one of the ways out of our property crunch bar, taking Southwinds or um, the the Navy base and turning it into low-cost housing affordable housing but it's you know we have a limited inventory and it's very difficult to simply just rely on the private sector to 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 come up with the answer to this and it does exist and it, it, there are certain locations that it can be done um, but uh, that's going to again require the um, the uh, cooperation of government as well okay thank you yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't see things drastically changing this year compared to last year. I think our market sort of always, in recent years, hovers around 200 transactions a year, um, and I expect it to roughly be around there. I do think looking island-wide in terms of like the luxury market, which is when houses, um, you know, people define luxury in different ways, but really and truly it should be when residential homes are uh, have an ARV of at least 126,000, so that kind of translates to three plus million dollar sales Um, and I do anticipate that that knowing what's in the pipeline with um, ourselves and others um, that that will be you know have a quite a jump compared to last year maybe over more than double Um, but yeah it's gonna be similar I mean you know we we all need to be advocates for more inventory Um, and uh you know, I, I think, again, it is going to be a, an interesting place to be for landlords and sellers where they really are, uh, you know, holding all the cards. But really, uh, as agents, you know, we want a more balanced market. You know, we don't like disappointing people when there's okay. six offers and one person gets it. So um, I'm hoping it kind of stabilizes a bit. And from your perspective, Penny? Sure. I think it'll be a calibrated reveal in 2024. Okay. I think the market that tends to sit off in abeyance, is now coming to life with commercial. One thing I believe we'll start seeing more of is more forward commitments. You used to never see pre-leasing you know, or pre-purchasing, any okay. type of activity like that. You'd have to get pretty far down with the construction, and then people get excited. Um, things happen in the last six months of a construction project. Now, because we don't have the inventory, um, it'll be paramount to get those office spaces online all the more critical to have the residential community to support it. Uh, without the housing, et cetera, you can't bring more people on island and staff up. So that is a solution we have to solve for the existing population as well as those we're attracting here. Okay, no, thank you. And I'd actually like to thank my guests for providing such a great overview from Rigo Sotheby's International Realty. So thank you to Penny McIntyre, Ben Rigo, and Buddy Rigo. I wish you all the very best. I'm Shivani Sait, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.